0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: Welcome back, Sports Huddle. It is uh, becoming flurries here in downtown Minneapolis. But we love going out throughout the state of Minnesota and finding out how much snow they got. That's a tradition. Glenn Taylor joins us from Mankato. Glenn, let's start with that. How many inches did you get?
0: Well, we got um, between eight and ten inches here in Mankato.
1: Whoa, that's even more than we got. That's plowable.
0: Yeah, you bet. Explain this last week.
1: Uh, I mean, a lot happened in the Timberwolves organization. Take us through from where you sat, what you saw, and how this thing played out.
0: Well, I think like uh, most I, most things, that when you get to the trade deadline, you uh, look at a number of scenarios. There was nothing new. Everything that we did was uh, something we had thought about earlier in the year and hoping that we, it would work out. But normally, they just don't work out. It's it's difficult to find other teams that want to cooperate with you or have the same uh, you know uh, problems or opportunities. In this particular case, uh, the Covington one kind of came first, and it looked like a deal that we should do no matter what else we did. So um, they went ahead and made that uh, trade. And then they started on, they kept working on uh, Russell. That was the main thing that they wanted to accomplish. And then they were able to do that and yet uh, get two young guys out of Denver that were really uh, part of our uh, hopes for the future. Uh, and it just dragged on as these things are difficult almost to the last you know, few hours before everything fell into place, but it was uh, very interesting to me that normally um, just if part of this would sort have of fell in place, we would have been happy. But in this particular case, almost everything went our way, and uh, you know we think we've helped our team and we probably helped some other teams, so it's, it probably was a win-win. Did
2: you ever come close to firing Taylor, firing Sager? What? ever come close to firing the coach?
0: No, 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 no. no. He's, uh, he's hired and he's a young guy and he's uh, going to get better as time goes on and we just have to give him that time. Dave?
3: Yeah, Glenn, I uh, saw a couple of the crowd shots. I wasn't there last night, but saw the game on TV. Uh, you had a big grin on your face. It must have felt so different and the energy in the place. It started on the floor but it quickly got to the crowd and then it went back and forth and it was just I, I've never seen so many smiles in a long time. How did it feel from where you took it in?
0: Well, the smile probably uh, showed what happened. But uh, really the thing is I was really excited about coming to the game, only to know earlier that, uh, you know, that Russell wasn't going to play. And I thought, oh, gosh, you know, we have such a good attendance for this game and everybody's coming to see him play. It was kind of a letdown. And then the game started. And almost immediately, you know, the guys started hitting the shots, and there was just uh, super energy out there. And you could see the players were just uh, kind of lifted that, hey, uh, we got a good thing going here. And, and, of course, then it was a fun game to watch just because uh, there was so much offense in, in it, and the, and everybody on the team did well.
1: Glenn, how involved do you get in a week like this? Do you more ask questions of Gerson and what he's trying to do and why, objective-wise? Or how involved do you get in the process?
0: Well, I think, you know, working with Gerson, <clears throat> we uh, have talked about this uh, since he came. So it isn't a last-minute thing with him. Uh, we talk quite often. He tells me what his goals are, what the opportunities are. So when we really get down to the trade, uh, I, I uh, know everything already. About it, and he just calls up as kind of a last-minute thing. He says, "Okay, we can go ahead now. You know, you've okayed this. Uh, you know, but I want to check one last time." So it isn't so much at the end; it's much. Uh, it was this year. It was planning uh, way beforehand of what our opportunities might be.
2: I'm not sure, trading Wiggins helps the salary cap. Well, with
0: Wiggins and uh, Russell. Is, Basically, I just look at it as a trade. We, uh, I mean, both of them are paid really a lot of money, and it's somewhat equal. Uh, And then, in our particular case, we picked up a a couple of other uh, young guys from their team, so it uh, kind of pushed us over the cap and got them under the cap. Um, That's probably the most important thing,
3: Dave. Yeah, Glenn, have you decided how you're going to handle Turner? I mean, at one time, a terrific Big Ten player, but probably uh, post uh, his prime in the, uh, in the pros. Is, is he somebody that uh, I'm not sure what the ramifications would be if you released him, but I imagine he has limited trade value? Well,
0: uh, I mean, he's been very uh, good uh, to work with. His agent's been very good to work with. I mean, uh, the thing is, he's a veteran player. He'd like to get on a team that's uh, uh, competitive for the playoffs. And uh, so at this particular time, we're going to give him a little time to see if he can uh, line himself up with another team, and then we're going to work with him uh, either, you know, whatever we have to do, you know, let him go or, or um, well, whatever. But he's, he's been working with us. We don't plan at this particular time to have him play. Uh, we're going to try to work something out first.
1: Glenn, uh, because we haven't had John for some time, there are two people I want to ask you about that you knew fairly well uh, that left this uh, planet, uh, Kobe Bryant and David Stern, both impactful, of course, the NBA, and you got to know them uh, both on a personal level. Uh, give, give us your thoughts on each one of those as, as we've, uh, it's been you know quite a year to the NBA.
0: Well, uh, both of them are going to really be missed. Even though they have retired, uh, they were so... Uh, helpful you know in building the league uh david and his leadership and on everything you know working with the owners and stuff like that david and i kept a, up a communications every month and talked because we got became very close and uh he just did so many things to help the nba become you know one of the best sports leagues in the in the world and uh and it's so sudden you know his death both of them their deaths were so sudden it just, uh, you know, breaks my heart. Now, Kobe, it's just the the same thing. I mean, this guy really contributed to the sport, worked so hard, uh, retired from the sports, but also, you know, was trying to do uh, more things in his life and and do it at such a high level that, uh, again, I had such great appreciation for his desire to do everything at the top level and and, and uh, you know, and even worse, uh, that there was other people in that helicopter, too, and young people, and it just crushes you to think uh, that their lives are so short.
2: How tough was it to make this decision to trade Wiggins? How did they come about?
0: Well, I don't think there was any secret to that. I mean, Andrew, we worked really hard. I mean, he didn't have the best year last year, and we worked really hard with him this summer to— to uh, improve, and I think we saw some improvements, and uh, that uh, allowed us to have the, the chance to make a trade this year, where last year I don't think uh, it was there with any team. So once um, uh, Golden State said that they, there was a possibility that they would trade him, I think it <clears throat> this is an excellent opportunity for um, Andrew, Uh, to do well there i think steve kerr uh, said it exactly right that this should be a win-win us getting russell should really help us and getting uh, wiggins on their team will help them because wiggins won't expect won't be expected to be the you know the main scorer that he can fit in with their team so i'm just hopeful that that it does work out for him and i'm confident it'll work out with russell on our team
3: dave final question yeah, Glenn, you got a background in politics and you know the disadvantages of declaring victory based upon the early returns but as an owner, after what you saw last night, what do you feel now about the future of this team? Well, I,
0: I, I'm excited because I, we've got uh, really good guys they're young, so there's lots of room for improvement and, and, and I think, you know, we look at the really good teams, they learn to play together now it's going to take us a little while to learn to play together, but when uh, Gerson went out and brought these uh, fellows in, he, I would say one of the things he did look at is age, that he's got a whole bunch of guys of, that are about the same age as Cat and now uh, Russell. And, you know, I think we have high expectations of Beasley also, I mean, his shooting ability. Uh, so now I think we can find uh, ourselves um, a group of guys in some uh, support guys that uh, make us very competitive now you know we're probably going to get a draft choice that's pretty high it wasn't we didn't anticipate that but we had these losses now and and uh it'll put us in a situation where um you know we can maybe help ourselves through the draft
2: sounds, the final question is uh, go ahead it sounds a like happy guy
0: yes sir
4: yeah, yeah he's,
0: excited about, he's excited about this change that uh, now he has guys that can kind of play the type of um, basketball he wants. I mean, he's he's really a believer into the three-point shots, moving the ball fast, and uh, getting up and down the court. And he needed uh, some players that were better three-point shooters than which we had on our team previously.
1: Sid, can ben you give Taylor, him a stake? I mean, well, he's your boss. Can you give him a stake still or not? Or, or is that going to be considered? Yeah, uh, are ben the other Taylor, employees at the Star Tribune going to say, hey, you're trying to brown-nose him?
2: Go ahead. That's Heller. congratulations on making some great yield And for bringing on the show, you and your lovely ride. We get your certificate to Murray. Well, I guess that
1: answers that, Glenn. Yeah, well, thank you, Sid. <laughs> Yeah, don't play favorites now at the Star Tribune just because he gave you the steak. All right. (laughs) Right back after this with Dave St. Peter. Stay with us. Welcome back, Sports Huddle. Sid, Dave, and Mike, joined by another Dave, Dave St. Peter, president of the Minnesota Twins. And, Dave, just a little housekeeping off the top. I'm going to make the classic assumption that while everybody's talking about there's a buzz about a three-way trade and all those things, a representative of the team cannot comment on anything until anything is official, correct? Correct.
4: Well, good morning, uh, guys. Uh, yeah, Mike, you'd be correct. Obviously, you know, you know, we we understand the reporting that goes on, and you know, it's unfortunate, frankly, uh, in this particular case because of the players that were involved or are involved, and uh, you know, some of the health uh, questions, what have you. But uh, all I can tell you is, either, no matter how that turns out, we feel excited about being in Fort Myers on Wednesday, and cranking up another season of Twins baseball, 60th in Minnesota.
1: Can you just tell us quickly, though, the, uh, what what happens? You know, we hear about these, and the Timberwolves went through it. Everybody's got to get a physical, all those things. You know, you, you make a deal, and then what happens? This has to get approved by the league, and then the team has to uh, perform yeah. physical. What happens? Yeah,
4: well, there's obviously an exchange of medical information. You know, and some of that, you know, obviously are just your medical files, any MRIs, things of that nature. But then each, each individual team has their – are doctors, their own medical team involved, and you know there are times that the doctors may disagree. Right? There are times a doctor for one team may see it a little differently than a doctor for another team. So that's not uncommon. Uh, again, the unfortunate piece here is that it's so widely reported, and uh, you know, uh, obviously as an industry, that's something that's a concern.
2: Talk about uh, this is Timberwolves president? No, it's the Twins president Dave St. Peter. <laughs> your good friend, yeah. Dave St. Peter. What's going to happen? What happens on the trade? I think Mike might, might probably asked you. Yeah, yeah, we
1: we kind of covered that. Go, move on to your next one, though. You got about three questions written down there. Go ahead, Sid.
2: What's happening in spring trade right now? What are you looking at?
4: Well, Sid, we're uh, we're going to open camp on Wednesday with our pitchers and catchers. Uh, we've got a ton of. Our, our, our players already in Fort Myers working out, ready to go. You know, clearly there's a, you know, there's a buzz in camp. You know, I think people feel excited about what took place in 2019, but how this team shapes up for 2020 and uh, you know, there's going to be some new faces, you know, you're going to certainly see on the, on, on the pitching side, a, a guy like a Rich Hill and a Homer Bailey in camp, uh, uh particular potentially others, a Tyler Clippers. uh Josh Donaldson has made quite an impression here at twins fest and, um, I know is incredibly excited to get to Fort Myers. So um, we're going to come in, you know, I think that Rocco Baldelli is second year as our manager, uh, you know, has been through this cycle once. So I, I don't expect a lot different on Rocco, but I know there are expectations and anytime there are expectations, I think that it creates uh, maybe a, a, its own little internal dynamic inside of our clubhouse, which I think in this case will be a good thing. We feel as though we have unfinished business. And um, I can tell you, Sid, that, uh, uh, everybody with our organization is uh, incredibly excited to get going here on Wednesday.
3: Dave Mona. Yeah, Dave, you brought, you brought up the name of Hill. He's an interesting guy, and you won't be ready right away. What uh, What is your timetable for him? You've already got one starting pitcher who's going to be out 31 games, I think it is. Uh, when do you see Hill the earliest that, that he might become a factor?
4: Well, again, first and foremost, Rich Hill is an unbelievable human being. He, he again, made quite an impression here at Twins Fest, not only with our front office but with our, our players. Um, he had a he had a procedure, not a full Tommy John, but almost a fix-up of a Tommy John, Dave. That will take him out probably through the month of uh, May, um, realistically. I think we see him more on the mound in games in June and into July, and you know that you know for us that, that that's fine. We believe we can we can uh, uh, mind the store, so to speak, early in the season. That's certainly the goal. That's the objective. But we signed Rich Hill to pitch for us uh, in the season's most important games and hopefully into October. If you look at this guy's numbers and his playoff numbers in particular, this is a guy that can help us. And uh, we feel as though that was a creative way for us to take that next step.
1: Dave, one thing that the pressure has been taken off of a little bit is the uh, the minor leaguers that you look to, to you know, who's coming up next and the Royce Lewis's. In all due respect, uh, they, they've they had to probably in a healthy way been able to, to sit back and watch, and you guys haven't had to push the campaign for them uh, in any way, shape, or form. How do you handle that part when you've got a really set lineup and you've got these prospects that are sitting there gnawing at, jumping uh, at the bit?
4: It's a great problem to have, Mike. Right? So, you know, I think, you know, I think that those players are continuing to progress and develop. And the reality of it is now is that entire class of players is pretty much advanced to to double A, and or above. So, so really, they're one phone call away from the big leagues. That's how we view it. And I think the reality of it is is that we're going to need some of those guys this year to win our division and to advance in the postseason. I think that's the way we view it. I think a year ago in spring training, I'm not sure many people would have thought that Luis Arias. Uh, would have played the role that he played, uh, or even a Zach latell Some of these other names that emerged over the second half of last season and, and helped us get to where we wanted to be in terms of the postseason. So I, I think fans are going to see some of those players in Minnesota playing for us and contributing in 2020. Everybody
2: report healthy.
4: Well, Sid, uh, no surprises as of right now. We know we have some guys that are coming in uh, off of injuries a year ago, whether that be a Byron Buxton or Jorge Polanco had a had a had uh, an ankle uh, issue that we dealt with early in the offseason. Uh, but for the most part, you know, I think we feel as though our core guys are coming in on track, on schedule to be ready for opening day.
3: Dave? Yeah, Dave, uh, you've got so many people in our audience who are already in Florida who plan to go down for spring training. What's the ticket situation coming off a good year like you've come off of? If you haven't made plans yet, can you still get in to see spring training games?
4: Yeah, tickets remain available, Dave. For I think virtually every game. I think the Yankees game near the end of uh, March is sold out. But beyond that, tickets remain available. Uh, we do expect a number of games to sell out. Um, and the great thing about our complex is is its accessibility for workouts. So even starting on Wednesday, you know nine ten o'clock, uh, fans can get right up to 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 watch our club workout. And that's something that we're very proud of in terms of the Century League Sports Complex. And uh, we start games on February the 21st against John Anderson and the University of Minnesota, uh, a tradition we started a few years ago playing them every other year and something I, I know Rocco Baldelli is excited about. So, uh, But after that, we'll, we'll play the Grapefruit League through the 23rd of March when we break camp to go to the West Coast to get ready for the season opener on March 26th in Oakland.
1: And, Dave, I don't mean to let the cat out of the bag for some people that, that – uh... Uh, maybe, but, you know, you get asked about spring training a lot, and one of the things I always tell people is, A, the workouts are as much fun as a game because you can see how they teach, but, B, when the Twins go on the road during the spring training, not everybody goes. And sometimes that's a wonderful opportunity for people to go and watch batting practice and get close to a lot of players to stay behind.
4: No doubt about it, Dave, uh, or Mike. Yeah, every day, really, from now on through the end of March, uh, if you're at our complex there, it's, it's free. You can park. You can walk right up and see uh a number of our players work out, and uh, um, uh, it's, just, it's just one of the gems of our game, and it's one of the reasons we all love spring training so much. Does look good? You know, said we saw him in Minnesota in mid-January, and he looked great. And the best news about it is he was green-lighted to start hitting at that time and and has been swinging the bat now as part of his program and is, is not feeling any ill effects from his shoulder in the shoulder surgery. Uh he's not dealing with any of the, the the things that he was dealing with last uh you know August, September when he was trying to come back. So we feel really good about where Byron is. I know he's excited. I know he, he we're trying to slow him down actually a little bit just to make sure that, that we're we're smart about his rehab. But yeah, said he's gonna come into camp and my guess is Rocka will probably be conservative with him at the beginning. But I, we certainly expect him to be full go uh, going into the season on uh, March 26th.
2: Dave St. Peter, appreciate it very much. Sid, tell him what he's won. Okay, sir, your certificate. certificate, uh, everything under control. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right, guys. You got Good to- way to end it, David. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. Dave St. Peter, nice enough to join us. 651-989-9226. If you want to jump on with us, we've got another guest lined up at 1130, and we'll take phone calls throughout. 651-989-9226. 651-989-9226. If you have a question, uh, you can also access us on the uh, text line with that same uh, uh, text. But, uh, Dave, we are just saying, you, you know, there, if, you, if you really enjoy baseball, uh, I'm telling you, going and watch the spring training workouts are about as much fun as any game.
3: Oh, Mike, you're so right. And not just on the big field. Uh, because of the way it's laid out down there, you know, you can walk 100 steps and be watching the top prospects in uh, AAA, A, AA, even some of those kids we were talking about last year in A-Ball. They're all together. They're playing uh, games on those fields, practice games. You can get a look at them. It's a tremendous experience in, when they're in or out of town. Sydney,
1: you have not been down to spring training for quite some time now. Did you used to enjoy covering spring training back in the day and back in Orlando, and uh, you have some pretty good... Spring? Did you go down there for a long period of time back uh, when the Twins first came to town?
2: Sure, I went down there. Spring training, Orlando, uh, or Edgewater Hotel. There had a big deal down there. But at one time, the black players weren't allowed to live in the regular hotel. Back in the 60s. And I was involved in that. I got the rabbi, Rabbi Shapiro, and got him involved, and Calvin was forced to uh, force uh, black players to live in a white hotel.
1: So you kind of forced that issue, or did you write about it in your column, or did you just do it behind the scenes? I'd be sure. But did you just kind of do it behind the scenes, or what, did you write about it, or how would how'd you leverage I
2: remember, that? I wrote about it. Uh,
1: those are, those are, uh, you know, Dave, the, the things that we talk about now with problems and what now we don't have any problems compared to what was going on back then.
3: No, I remember that well. The hotel was at Cherry Plaza. I was covering the Twins as a young reporter for Sid's newspaper at the time, and Sid did get involved with the Jewish community here in Minnesota. and was instrumental in getting some of those rules changed because the black players didn't stay at the hotel.
1: Interesting stuff. Let's take a break. Come back. 651 989 651 Phone calls and a guest next. Stay with us. Welcome back, Sports Huddle. 651 You want to jump on with Sid and Dave. 651 Got a couple of interesting texts here. Um... Well, here's one. we got 12 and a half inches in St. James. Wow, a lot going on out there, and we'll keep you updated on the weather as well throughout the day. Here's a good question for both of you, a text that we got. Uh, Does Billy Martin deserve to be in the Twins Hall of Fame? Dave Mona, you start this one.
3: Well, you know, I covered the Twins in 69 for the Tribune, so I knew Billy well. Certainly, if he'd been there longer as a manager, there'd be no doubt about it. Uh a lot of that's based on tenure with the organization. Unfortunately, Calvin fired him after just one year. But you can make a case. He was in the farm system, He played for the team early on in the initial year year, and then he was a Denver manager. Uh, I think that's an interesting question. Interesting, his name currently does not appear on the Hall of Fame ballot that we get, so that would have to result from a discussion with Dave St. Peter, but I think it's worth bringing up.
1: Yeah, and he was a player for the team and a coach yeah. for the team, so he did a lot for the team. Sid, does Billy Martin belong in the Twins Hall of Fame.
2: Absolutely. He did a fantastic job. He was probably one of the most popular Twins managers that ever lived. And uh, All he is a wind baby. Wind baby. And Calvin uh, made the biggest mistake in his life when he fired him. From then on, the Twin franchise went down and uh, he, uh, it was a sad day when he let him go. Uh, let's go to Dave in
1: Ogilvy. Dave, you're on.
3: Yes. Uh, I'm thinking that Carl Anthony Towns is uh, making a lot of decisions for the team rather than the management on who he wants to have on the team. Uh, same has happened with Kevin Garnett when he was with the Timberwolves.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can make a case that it's going down that road, and you got to be very careful of that because it really backfired on him with Garnett a couple of times both. Uh, when he when he made the deals, and then the next year, all of a sudden, he and Flip weren't getting along, and they fired Flip, and then uh, uh, Flip brought him back years later, and that, and that really fell apart. But Thaddeus Young is still in the league and playing, and they had one good night out of Kevin Garnett, the first night that he came back, they beat Washington, and after that uh, really not much happened. So you do have to be very, very careful of that, not letting players uh, run the team, in particular in the NBA, uh, you can tend to fall in that direction. Sid, do you think Carl uh, Anthony Towns, do you, do you have to be careful as to how much power you give Carl Anthony Towns on this team? What's that? Do you think you you have to be careful as to how much Carl Anthony Towns has to say about this team and the moves that they make? I don't know. What do you think? I think that's a possibility. Let's go to Ron and Benson. Ron, you're on.
0: Hi. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Good to be on. Since you were just talking about the Twins Hall of Fame, about three or four years ago on your show, I was kind of amazed when a woman called in
4: and asked uh, if Dan Gladden was ever going to be put into the Twins Hall of Fame. No, Were you I, you're I,
1: amazed I, that a woman called in on this show, or that Dan Gla- uh, the Dan Gladden question?
0: No, 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 <laughs> no, no, I was amazed that Dan Gladden, I was really amazed that Dan Gladden's not in the Twins Hall of Fame. That just blew me away, and I'm wondering if he's ever going to be in the Hall okay, of Fame.
1: Okay, I got, a, I got a good question along those lines. I'm going to start it with Dave Mona, because I believe we had Jim caught on earlier as well. I've long thought this, is there a way, the Hall of Fame obviously on Cooperstown as well, is there a cumulative Hall of Fame that should be overall contributions to baseball? So they say you're a pretty good player, but not good enough to be in the Hall of Fame, but then you did all these things after baseball, whether it was as a manager or a coach, and we put it in total, your contributions to the
3: game indicate that you're a Hall of
1: Famer. Dave, your
3: thoughts? Yeah, I, th- I think that's a good point, Mike, and I do think that to some extent happens with some of the people who make it in later in their career. People take a look at their impact. I mean, what Jim Cott, for instance, you can make a good argument. What he's done as a broadcaster, I think, is should be taken into account. Uh, you know, what he did defensively, you can make a case where Dan Gladden is on the ballot. Uh, it's, it's you know, Warno came up this year. That was a gimme putt. We all knew that. Yeah, was,
1: yeah, but if a guy does him. a lot in broadcasting, too, can they put them both together, you
3: know? I, and I think they will. I think that's going to ultimately be Dan. I, I think Dan Gladden will get in, and I think it will be the cumulative impact. I think the harder thing to, to do, uh, I voted in that for many years, and a couple of years ago we got together some of the older guys and, and made a campaign to get Camilo Pasquale in because of a lot of people who voted, really had, had never seen, and some never heard of Camilo Pasquale. We've been some of us have been trying to do the same thing with Caesar Tovar. We fall short year after year, but the effort continues. but I do think that cumulative impact, the coaching, managing, is it Martin being all three, player, coach, and manager, sure, I think that they deservedly should have some impact.
1: Take a break, come back, visit with Ethan Casson's, the president of the Minnesota Timberwolves, when we come back. Welcome back to the Sports Huddle. Two guests to get in here in the final uh, 15 minutes, Ethan Casson and Brian Lawton will join us as well. Ethan Casson, who runs the Minnesota Timberwolves business side of things. And Ethan, we wanted to have you on to talk about what opportunities you get when you get a star like D'Angelo Russell now afforded to you and from a business side of things, you know, how would you as an organization try to rally around that and take advantage of that?
5: Yeah. Well, first uh, good morning guys. And what a, what an exciting day considering kind of what unfolded this week and certainly capped off by last night's game, our second sellout of, of the season. And to your point specifically on the business side, you know, it's a, it's a very rare a uh, set of circumstances that you can bring in, not just an entirely new roster like Gerson in the front office did, but a player like D'Angelo uh, and pair him with, with Carl um, in the middle of the season, never mind uh, in free agency and inside the off season. So uh, we're really excited. Um, again, the energy in the building last night, you know, in all the years I've been part of this organization, I can only think of a couple times that it's felt like that and he didn't even play. Um, and so the anticipation of him being in the Tim uniform, uh, not just for you know potentially Wednesday night, depending on on, on his status, uh, but for many years to come, is exciting. Um, we've seen merchandising sales and his uniform fly off the shelves as quickly as you could you can imagine. And now we're really able to build out the vision that the basketball team had since we brought in Gerson this summer, which is you know establishing an identity, developing a talent system around that. Um, and then sustainable success, which, as you guys know, for us has been something um, that we haven't been able to, to, to do and build. Um, but we feel like this piece, along with some of the other moves, will allow us that here for for the short term and hopefully for the long term.
2: How much do you think this will pick up your uh, attendance?
5: Yes, and I, I think certainly, again, uh, this is going to have a huge impact on that. But it's it's still a steep climb, and, and we're going to approach it. You know, one game at a time again last night was uh, really, really exciting for our staff and, and more importantly, our fans to see a sellout for the guys to play inside of a sellout. Um, We're expecting another incredible crowd Wednesday. And I think, you know, what's going to happen is it's just the momentum and the enthusiasm is just going to build over time. Um, And we've got a lot of work to do there. Um, Interestingly enough, um, as as timing would have it, uh, we're doing a member forum event Tuesday night. Um, and we're going to roll out um, some exciting things that we'll we'll be back on the air talking with you guys about here uh, sometime next week. Uh, that really talked uh, to our current fan base about staying with us and the value of staying with us, um, and then going after and trying to be as aggressive as we, as we can, building a, a development plan for new fans. Um, so the timing couldn't be better on the moves that were made on the court, and certainly we've got some some bold things that we're going to roll out off the court here next week.
3: Dave. Yeah, Ethan, you mentioned merchandise sales. Uh, refresh my memory: Is the NBA like the National Football League? Is that shared among all teams, or, or do teams benefit from sales of uh, uh, jerseys, what have memorabilia uh, bearing the images, names of their own players? Yeah, it's a, it's
5: a, it's a it's a combination of both. It's certainly a combination of both, and you know, it, without without uh, without boring you guys with the intricacies of how all the revenues are 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 parcelled out. Uh, in and around merchandise. For us, it's, it's, it's another, it's another key key indicator and, in, you know, interest, you know, and when people are calling and asking for single game tickets and people are calling and asking for uniforms and jerseys and the team shop is, is filled and television ratings go up. Those are all key indicators in our business that, that suggests that again, the interest is coming back. And, you know, I know you guys uh, have been very close with us for a long period of time. You've seen the ebbs and flows and the ups and downs of our franchise um, but you know, I think you would agree this this is as much a basketball market as any market, and it can be one of the more electrifying arenas target center uh and have that home court advantage, but you have to have the fans with you and you have to give the fans a reason to be with you and again we're we 're in the beginning stages of what 's going to be the next chapter for us, but the last week or so, all of the things that you can imagine that would have had to happen in order to to pivot us into a position like this has happened and now. You know, you take it one day at a time, you build momentum, you retain that great fan base, and then you find those new fans and you rally behind this team.
1: Ethan, appreciate it very much. We're a little tight for time this morning because everybody from the Wolves ended up saying yes to us, Glenn Taylor and Gerson <laughs> and, and Ryan. But but keep us updated on the rollouts and whatnot as it goes forward.
5: Yep, appreciate the support, guys.
1: You bet, Ethan Casson. On the business side of the Minnesota Timberwolves, let's switch over now to hockey in the NHL. And our resident expert, the one and only Brian Lawton. Brian, thank you so much for giving us some time today. And, you know, the last time we talked, we're talking about are the wild buyers or sellers. And then every time you think that they're going to be sellers, something like this happens. They win three straight this week. And, and w- what you say about how they uh, position themselves right now.
6: Well, first off, let me say uh, good luck to my good friends over at the Timberwolves, both Ethan and Ryan Tankey. They're great guys. Yep. I'm so excited about the Wolves, Mike. We'll talk hockey here in a second, but uh, I think this is really going to be t- turning point for them. So let's let's talk hockey.
1: All them. right. So, so, so they
6: win three around. in a row, and what do you think? I think that uh, you know all along, it's. I would have to think strategically. They probably didn't think they'd be right here. You know, Billy Garrett's been really transparent, though, with the group that show me what you got and we'll be patient with you and give you an opportunity to perform. And right now, it's kind of it's right there in front of the wild. I mean, they're just three points out of a playoff spot, couple games in hand on most of the teams in front of them. Nashville's a point ahead of them at the same number of games, but it is definitely doable. Nobody. And I mean, nobody. Other than the St. Louis Blues, Colorado Avalanche, Dallas Stars are really playing well in the West. And that's what's allowed an opening for a lot of teams here. Chicago Blackhawks also tied with the Wild. It's going to be a great finish, Mike. Sid.
2: Brian Sid. Austin? Yep. Sid, how about the, the great year he's having?
6: And his 1,000th game. His thousands game, 20 goals, not a lot of points for Zach this year, but the goals have been coming, and that's how he's measured. Uh, all in all, I'm, I'm just so excited for Zach personally to be playing at the level that he's playing at now, Mike, from a professional standpoint. There was always a lot of talk that the way Zach plays, he wouldn't be able to hold up. He had the back injuries. He went through a period of extended injuries, but he's playing great it's been a great story, and congratulations to him on his 1,000th game.
3: Dave? Uh, Two-part question. Uh, First of all, Charlie Coyle, he got two goals last night. Boston is doing very well. So your your comments on Coyle. And then secondly, is there a St. Louis out there? It was almost a year ago that St. Louis started that incredible run all, all the way to the top. Is there anybody we should be keeping our eye on, chance to do that again this year?
6: Uh, nobody right now for me. I, I felt like I was one of the people that looked not very smart last year at the start of the season because I thought that St. Louis had all the makings of a great team, stumbled out of the gate, never got it going to go into the midway point, but always believed they had the makeup. I don't see anybody else like that right now, to be honest with you, Dave. Not at the level that I thought they were at last year.
1: So if the was, Wild, uh, uh, if the Wild became, oh, I'm sorry, Charlie Coyle, that part of it.
6: yes. Charlie Coyle uh, has played terrific for the Boston Bruins. Charlie's a guy that, you know, when he was here, everybody always wanted a little bit more. He's got such a physical presence. Uh, A lot of people still believe maybe he doesn't use it to the full extent, but expectations are tempered in Boston. They've got two centers above him. It allows him to slide into that third slot. And the offense that he contributes generally is kind of found money money from heaven, and it works really well with their team. While he was here on the wild, you know, it was a little bit different. It was always, you know, when is Charlie going to hit his stride? When is he going to be that dominant top six forward? Uh, He's just below that shade, not necessarily what everybody expected or wanted here in Minnesota, exactly what they expect and want in Boston. And it's been a really nice fit for him. He's back home, seems happy. He's a great guy. He's very well liked by, players around the league. Uh, Charlie, I, I got to think, has been pretty pleased with the move.
1: Hey, Brian, if you were, if you did become buyers and you're the Wild, what kind of player would you look like, uh, would you look at right now, and, and, and who? what pieces could you move if you were trying to upgrade as opposed to get better for the future?
6: Now, there's a couple of wingers that I think would be of significant interest. You know, one would be kind of a rental in Chris Kreider. Uh, the Rangers still undecided what they do, but he's that heavy forward, heavy winger on the left side that, that just plays a real consistent game. You know what you're going to get out of him every night. Uh, I think he'd be a great fit. Another guy, maybe not uh, a rental, but with some term left, that I think would be a dynamite fit on the Minnesota Wild would be a guy like Kyle Palmieri. Uh, he's got another year left on his deal at a very reasonable $4.6 cap hit. Uh, he's the type of guy, in my opinion, that, that that the most of the top teams in the East are going to go crazy for it because he could tilt the balance of power out there. That would be significant. Uh, New Jersey Devils obviously are sellers at this point, trying to figure out their future after letting their general manager and their coach go. But uh, that's a couple of players, and I would also throw Blake Coleman as a guy that could really help contribute for the Wild. Another guy that is just having a fantastic season would give them a, a more formidable top nine group.
1: Brian, we appreciate it very much. Next time, we'll leave a little more time for you, but we appreciate it very much. And Sid wants to give you a steak to Murray's.
2: All right. Okay, well, Sid, Sid, you have
6: a steak with me. On the show. I don't want it unless you come, Sid. Are you going to come have dinner with me and Noel sometime?
1: Yeah, he, he gave the thumbs up, and, and uh, he didn't get a chance to ask the Noel Ron question. Uh, we assume Noel is fine.
6: <laughs> Noel is doing great.
1: Brian, thank you so much. Appreciate it.
6: My pleasure, Mike. Thank
1: you. We've only got about a minute and a half left here. And uh, Dave, I'm sure you saw some of the clips, but sit. I'm going to ask you. Bobby Knight, they, they honored yesterday at Indiana. Uh, he went back there and, and uh, got a huge ovation, had his players around him. He did not speak. Uh, what were your thoughts as you saw Bobby Knight enter Assembly Hall yesterday and be this honored? This is the
2: an anniversary of the 40th year championship team. They had all the players there, and that was his first visit back the, in, the, in the gym since he got fired.
1: It was a touching moment, Dave. I, I didn't watch the game live, but I saw the clips and to see you know the Quinn Buckners and Isaiah Thomas around him.
3: Yeah, it really was. Those were legendary teams. You know, it's good that things like that get patched up, and you know, I'm not going to say end because it's nowhere near the end, but, but turn to a more positive note. That's probably one of the longest divorces in, in sports, and congratulations to whoever had the idea to put it back together. It was a good moment.
1: All right. Well, just so you know, Dave, it's still snowing up here.
3: Yeah, uh, I was going to tell uh, Sid he'd really appreciate the fact I'm going to have dinner with Charlie Walters tonight. And I know, he, he likes to know where I get most of my good material. He said, "All of a
1: sudden, he just sparked up again." <laughs> <laughs> Don't give him anything. He said, "Thank you, Dave. We'll see you back here next week." Uh, I'll be back. Yep. Sid Hartman, give us a closing thought, like only say, something that you've thought about all week that you haven't had a chance to share with us. No closing, to... no closing thoughts? No closing thoughts.
2: No. We said it all. Okay. everything's all
1: right. We'll be back again next week with the legend, Sid Hartman. And, oh, yeah, we're only about a month away from the Sid Tenio. Rashidi Rajkumar is coming up next. You're listening to News Talk 830 WCCO. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours